0: Every Arizona homeowner's best friend. And it all has to do with you. Thanks for tuning in. It's Rosie on the House. Your weekend wake-up tradition. Farm living is the life for me. Oh, yeah. Good morning, and thank you for tuning in to Rosie on the House, where we're here to lighten your load. Now, look, folks. It's our job this morning to put a smile on your face and to restore hope to your heart. Now, the man that's talking right now is old enough to remember the energy crisis of 1973 where we were told the globe could never survive with oil and retail gasoline at 87 cents a gallon. The global economy would collapse. It didn't. How about the savings and loan crisis of the 80s and 90s, where one-third of the savings and loan institutions went out of business? How about the dot-com bubble? It was called the dot-com bombs, where one-third of the companies on the NASDAQ went out of business, but there were survivors. Today, they're called Amazon, eBay, and Google. Google. How about when George Bush and Al Gore couldn't decide who won the Florida election and everybody's phones quit ringing for three months? Did that pucker you up a little bit? Sure puckered me up a little bit at the time. I owned a company that had 100 employees. And the only people calling my office were the employees. <laughs> <laughs> wanting to know if they were going to get a paycheck. <laughs> How about the Black Thursdays we've survived? We've survived Black Thursdays from 1929. We survived Black Thursday in 1987. I opened the most successful remodeling company in Arizona three months later, January 1st, 1988. And how about the Great Recession, the subprime mortgage crisis? Arizona real estate went down 60%. We survived that. We're going to survive this. And we're going to do it by putting a smile on your face and restoring hope in your heart. One of the ways we're going to do that is we're going to maintain the Arizona staycation. Now, the Rose the House staycation is changing the way it looks a little bit. I have a floor plan here. It says weekend destinations, the Los Kichanas the Santa Bedrumes, the Porto Gardenas, the Los Bed, the Rotunda de Sofa. All places you can stay with your Rosie on the House Arizona staycation. Where every day is
1: Taco Tuesday, Yeah, where
0: every day is Taco Tuesday. But all kidding aside, we are continuing to run the Arizona staycation. And you can go to RosieOnTheHouse.com and still apply. All of our partners in that campaign have agreed to be flexible for your scheduling. So you can still win. And not be bound to travel until you're comfortable to travel.
2: And right now we're drawing for Schnepp Farms, their uh, annual peach festival. Uh, they don't do the festival anymore because it's kind of a festival every day at Schnepp Farms. You can still ride the train. You can still, uh, there's plenty of play areas. You can still go pick your peaches. You can still get a great meal. And so it was just, it was kind of, why why have a festival? We have a festival every day. And they've added on uh, a this concept of glamping glamour camping and they've got these retro airstreams and i'm looking at the list right now they've got a 1969 airstream ambassador a 1995 terry pullman train and you can go stay in these uh you know 1950s 1960s airstreams that they've got completely remodeled and gutted and that's where we're sending our april staycation winner and you know, no, that's we good. obviously don't that's know. That's really
0: good. That's good.
2: What, uh, you know, what, what the current state will be at that time? But every, everything back to normal. It'll be right in the middle of peach season. Oh, so you'll get to stay in your airstream, walk over, grab some peaches, come back, make peach cobbler, make a peach ice cream sundae, make a peach fill in the blank. Fresh, juicy, Schnup Farm peaches. So you can go to. Arizonastaycation.com and sign up to enter to win for that event. And we'll continue to, do it. like Rosie said, we'll continue the staycation. Uh, and the next one is a. Uh, agritainment destination they call it the cozy peach at Schnepp farms is the name of this little uh airstream I compound glamping and it is the fourth saturday of the month it is at eight o'clock hour and we've got the king of agritainment on the line with us today uh greg peterson from the urban farm who is joining us by phone because he's got some mayors he's working on today there you go how are you <laughs> very well Thanks for having me. Yeah, I I decided
1: this past week to go out and find some tomato plants, and uh, I'm going to plant them in five-gallon buckets
2: and see what happens. Now, why a five-gallon bucket? Because you're out of room everywhere else at the Urban Farm? (laughs) Yeah, pretty much that's the case.
1: (laughs) You know, I have a third of an acre here, and the Urban Farm is near 16th Street and and, uh, Bethany Home, right near your offices. So when I say farm, people always ask me, how many acres do you have? And I say, well, (laughs) I wish. Uh, I have a third of an acre. It's 80 feet wide and 160 feet deep, and I've been here over 30 years and been gardening and farming here. And uh, you're right, I've just run out of space.
2: And, you know, Greg, your vision has always been to teach uh, Arizona to grow its own food so we would be, you know, kind of a a food island and be self-sustainable. And, you know, we've we're kind of seeing right now in this real time, the importance of being able to provide for ourselves here locally. Amen to that. In fact, everything that I've done and everything
1: that I do is pointed at the possibility of what's going on right now. And I have a big concern that our food system might have some breakdowns in it. And that's why I want to teach people how to grow their own food.
2: And we're coming into the spring, a great time to grow all kinds of things in the desert. Like you said, you've got tomatoes you're working on today. And if I understood right, you're also uh, planting potatoes today. Yeah, I'm going to give some uh,
1: potatoes and buckets a try. And, you know, uh, melons are coming up real soon. Melon, squash, cucumbers, uh, pumpkins, they all get planted out in the next 60 days. Uh, peppers, eggplants, okra is uh, all great for this time of year.
2: Okra is is and okra is one of those that you can replant and keep planting. It it'll go through the summer. That's one of the few things that thrive on the heat, and it's a great. Uh, yes, uh, I I I love pickling it. Oh yeah, there you go.
1: And you got to do something to it because it's got all those little prickly leaves on it.
2: <laughs> and it's it's one of those that uh, we talked about it last week with Jay Harper's. One of the ways to be successful when you start gardening is pick a. Uh, plant that is hard to kill and okra is one of those reward plants it's it's hard to kill and you can when when it gets into uh into produce i mean you got something every day you can pick off of it
1: yeah exactly exactly and there's actually a book i had the guy on my podcast recently a whole book on okra he wrote a 300 page book on okra it's, I call it the I,
2: okra tome, I guess. Right? <laughs> I say that's. I that, that would take me a little while to get through 300 pages about okra.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right.
2: Yeah. Exactly. Exactly.
1: So yeah, now is a great time to grow. In fact, um, when this whole thing went down a couple of weeks ago, uh, I got on the phone with my team, and I said, "What can we, you know? What can we do?" And we decided to give at least a. For at least 30 days, a gardening class a day, our gardening related class a day online. You know, we have the whole infrastructure set up for our gardening classes to give them online. So we just decided to go that route. And so we're uh, 12 days, today is day 12 of a free gardening class online. It's 5 p.m. on weekdays and 9 a.m. on weekends. And um, we've had a great turnout. We're getting two to 400 people per class. And uh, you just go to Iwanttogarden.com com and sign up, and we'll send
2: you a link every day. Iwanttogarden.com, and a, a daily free class on how to garden. That's specific to Arizona. You know, it, we're a it lot is, different. It is not. No, it's it not? Is not. No, okay. no, no, no. All of our
1: all of our classes are uh, are general enough. Um, in fact, all of the classes that we offer through our organization are general enough that. You know, if you're in Minnesota or Alaska, there's good information for you.
2: Outstanding. And today's topic, if you follow along in our home maintenance calendar, you can get yours. If you don't have your Rosie on the House, we call it our our annual handbook. It's a calendar, but it also has your weekly to-dos to keep up with the maintenance of your home, castle, or cabin. Just email info at on the address you'd like it sent, and we'll send you your own free Arizona Homeowner Handbook Annual Home Maintenance Calendar. You know that uh, we're talking permaculture today in the garden. And Greg, describe what is permaculture in your definition. Ah, very good. So uh, I, it's something that I discovered in 1991,
1: and I like to call permaculture the art and science of working with nature. How do we look at nature and work in the flow of nature? Because we human beings, we think we know how to do it better than nature. And um, I beg to differ. I think that nature will always bat last. And um, so permaculture is the, really the process by which we observe nature, we pay attention nature to nature, and then we work in the flow of nature rather than work against nature.
2: And how does that all start? Well, it really starts by uh,
1: observing getting out in your space and paying attention to what's going on in your space and in the space around your house and in your neighborhood. Um, permaculture is a design methodology by which we observe what's going on. And then we implement things in our space that make sense in our space. Um, perfect example is a, I've, I've lived here at the urban farm for about 30 years. The front of the house faces east, so I get a lot of heavy morning sun in the summertime, and the back of the house faces west. And through a process of observation over the past 30 years, I've, I've come to know where I need my shade planted. And I have this one place in my front yard that I could never figure out what to plant there, and I was walking in the neighborhood Oh, my gosh, about five or six years ago, and I saw a house with the same footprint, front yard footprint as mine, and they had a tree planted in the perfect place. And it's like, oh, yeah, that's where I need to do it. So spending time in your yard, observing the space. In fact, I often tell people spend at least a year hanging out in your yard, walking around in your bare feet, paying attention to where the sun is at paying attention to when it rains, where does the water come before you make any major changes. Now, I'm not talking, don't put a garden in. I'm talking, make sure that you know that those fruit trees in your front yard or those trees in your front yard, are they providing you shade before you actually take them out. So about 10 years ago, the people across the street whose front yard faces west, they moved, I had new neighbors move into the house And within about 15 to 20 days, they had the chainsaws out and they were taking down these ancient, beautiful grapefruit trees that were planted in the 1930s.
2: And if you tuned in last year and heard Greg talking about taking a year to observe your garden and your landscape and space and you've done that you're ultra prepared to take on uh more than just planting a little small uh square foot garden today and we've got a lot of great uh, great information and if you want to join the conversation or talk through your observations or what you're trying to plant and grow your edible garden, uh, an orchard, whatever the case may be. One triple eight seven six seven four three four eight. That's one triple eight. Rosie for you. Text questions four one one nine two three. You can email info at Rosie Mister Peterson, permacomps? wow. Are there any more
1: ways to get a hold of you? <laughs>
2: um, you know there is. Mom does monitor social media um oh, there so I you think go. there's a facebook page <laughs> yeah um, just put up the
0: link for that <laughs> class greg that you're giving online so the little, oh
1: thank you
2: yeah. thank you but the only way I you I, know what go ahead Ruth. I, the um, only way i guarantee during the broadcast i'll see it because like you said there's only so many ways i've got one screen here for text i got one screen here for phone and i got one screen here for email Three is my limit, wow. so <laughs> <laughs> right. if you want it in the broadcast, those are the three ways.
0: Or you can call me yeah. or check us out on Facebook.
1: There you go. There you go. So, I, uh, you know, when this whole thing went down, I, I asked myself, what can I do? What can I do to contribute? And this is, you know, it's like I teach,
2: so let's go. Let's go, and we're teaching right now. You've got permaculture ethics. I, I didn't know there was ethics in permaculture. Oh, <laughs> well,
1: yeah. Yeah. Well, um, so it, it's really quite simple. It's care for the earth, care for the people and care for our future um, or share the surplus. Care for the earth is, you know, that's pretty obvious. It's a um, Permaculture is a model for earth stewardship and taking care of the environment around us and um, really what we want to do is is put natural systems in place, kind of like in a forest, and increase biodiversity. Um, I do a lot of care for the people part where I'm teaching and using sustainable design to teach people, and we'll talk about sustain- about sustainable here in a little while. Uh, again, we want to increase biodiversity, strengthen and enliven and our local culture. You know, how do we, how can we, you know, just like buying into a local business, we want to buy into our local environments. Um, and build our local economies and want to harvest our indigenous knowledge you know you know last year two years actually it's been two years ago now we bought that mesquite bean mill and you know we talked about it on the show last year and the mesquite bean mill is really a teaching tool plus a mill to turn mesquite beans a native food into flour so um, that's the care for the people part. And, uh, my, really my favorite one is, uh, share the surplus or care for the future. What do we, what do we do with all this surplus that we get? Cause one of the things that I've discovered over the past 40 years of living on the, on the planet and studying this stuff, I'm older than 40, but really studying this stuff is that the only place that lack lives, not having enough is between our ears. Because when I look at the abundance, the sheer abundance, that right, that comes out of your fruit trees in your yard, or this time of year, the weeds in our yard, you know, there's no lack there. No lack at all.
2: I squeezed more oranges and grapefruits this year than probably the last two or three years. I have citrus buds coming on the tree right now and still yep. produce from last season that's still good. <laughs> Yep. Oh, yeah. That's the cool thing
1: about citrus. Planting citrus is amazing. You know, we talk about this in my fruit tree program every year, uh, but it stays on the tree a long time, unlike peaches. You know, peaches we get maybe two weeks. Citrus, we can literally get four to, six, four to five months of citrus off of trees. I've got, uh, I'm harvesting in my neighborhood grapefruits, which are amazingly sweet now that they've been on the tree this long. I've got Trevita oranges, which is an amazing navel-like orange that I'm still harvesting, and I've got uh, Arizona sweet oranges, oh, all in lemons that are still on the tree. That's that's one of my favorite things about
2: citruses how long we get to harvest them. And the birds don't seem to sit there and pick at them like they will the peaches. That two-week window, you're constantly battling a lot of other critters that enjoy what, you've, uh, what your tree has put out. But citrus, you know, you got some bugs and insects that'll bore, but, you know, it, it's nowhere near the kind of damage the birds can do to it. So more with right. Farmer Greg. If you would like to sign up for his online free online classes that they're doing daily, Iwanttogarden.com. Talking permaculture here in the Outdoor Living Hour, we've got Farmer Greg on the line with us, joining us direct from the urban farm this morning, where he's working on getting some seeds going for tomato plants, potato plants, and we're talking permaculture in particular, and the talking point you've got lined out for this segment is comparing uh, regenerative gardening, and how does it compare to sustainable? I I I love this part.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I, I want to uh,
2: put a full stop
1: on this for a moment, though, and just do a shout out to Habitat for Humanity. You guys did a, a uh, commercial for them. They have a deconstruction service, apparently. Um, yes. That oh my gosh, this is this is the kind of thing that we talk about in permaculture. We have a perfectly good asset sitting in a kitchen. And if you want to get it remodeled, just going in there and demoing it and throwing the stuff away doesn't make sense. So in permaculture, what we do is we look to see what what is that asset worth? And Habitat for Humanity, bless them, man, they have figured out how to put a crew of people in and come in and deconstruct the space. That is absolutely brilliant. I was doing a happy dance
2: when i heard that commercial <laughs> yeah it's a it's a great service that uh, uh, and it it actually saves contractors and remodelers right. work, work on the demolition cost because the habitat volunteer crews come out they take out everything that they can resell before the de- demolition occurs and that diverts materials from the landfill that puts well-used products back into circulation in someone else's home and it is a, one of the great services that they do offer.
1: Yeah, well, and it's a permaculture uh, concept. So in permaculture, we have principles. Observation is one of them. Um, another one is, is one of my favorites. I think I probably maybe made this up is strive to be a lazy gardener. And we in striving to be a lazy gardener, what we want to do is we want to reduce the amount of work that we have to do. And what they're doing in this, with this deconstruction services, they're having a crew come in, reduce the amount of work that the contractors need to do, thus saving you money. Win, win, win. And win, 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 exactly, exactly. So real quickly, before we jump into the regenerative part, um, principles in permaculture, observation, stacking functions, we're gonna talk about that here in a little while, work with nature. How can we work with nature rather than against nature? Uh, the problem is a solution, strive to be a lazy garden, gardener. Um, the, and this is one of my favorite ones. Uh, the yield of a system is potentially unlimited. When you go into a forest, there is so much abundance. The yield that you could pull out of a forest is generally unlimited if you don't overharvest it. So what we're doing here at the Urban Farm is I'm putting nature nature or natural systems in place that just replicate themselves year after year after year. And one of the places that I do this, and this is gonna reflect on what regenerative is. One of the things that we do here at the Urban Farm is I have a garden bed in my front yard that I plant a particular kind of seed. It's called an open pollinated seed. Open pollinated seeds, um, they basically, when they go to seed and replant themselves, it's the same it 's not a hybrid, so they I get the same uh, same carrot or same cucumber year after year after year. So what I do in this garden bed is I let things go to seed so that year after year it it plants itself and in my front garden bed right this moment, I have nasturtiums I have garlic, I have onions, I have carrots, I have parsley there's celery out there uh there's lettuce, kale, broccoli. Um, and I'm sure there's a few more things that I didn't plant this year. I've planted them in past years. I let them go to seed. I let the seeds just land where they land. I add a little bit more compost on top every year just to, you know, enliven the soil. And I have a magic garden that the other day I pulled a uh, some carrots out of that were three inch diameter and 12 inches long. For carrots! <laughs> So that, when when we're talking regenerative, it's a system that self-propels itself. And you guys have probably heard me say this on the show in the past. Uh, I'm not a great big fan of this notion of sustainability. Now, do I think sustainability is a bad thing? I don't. Sustainability is a good thing. It's a stepping stone from not doing anything to what we could be doing, which is this whole notion of regenerative design and putting systems in place that replicate themselves year after year after year. So all you have to do is harvest. Isn't that cool?
2: Sustain is maintaining the status quo. Regenerative is taking it the next step further. Yeah, it's, it's a solution. Exactly. Right.
1: Well, and sustainable only sustains the mess that we've created. It doesn't create new solutions. If you look at most of the sustainability systems out there, and again, they're not bad. They're really, really good. As a but it's not the end. Stone. Exactly. We have to continue to be creative, continue to create new um, awesome things. And the place to look for that, in my opinion, is nature. You know, we need to look at nature and see
2: what nature has to offer, and we've got Victor on the line who needs a little help with his nature. His, he's got some seeds he's wanting to uh, to plant. Good morning, Victor. What are you working on, and how may we help you? Hey, good morning, uh, Romy, Rosie. Uh, Farmer Greg, um, I you
1: know I'm a pretty good uh, gardener,
2: um, but I have a, a problem occasionally. Some
1: seeds will will sprout. And and then that's it. They I just have a hard time making them grow any further. Um, any ah. suggestions? Any ideas about what's happening? Yeah. Uh, uh, so you, what you're saying is that some of the sprees, seeds don't actually sprout. Some don't sprout at all. Correct. So they don't germinate yeah. and they won't sprout. And the ones that do, and especially my tomato plants, they'll they'll grow to about an inch and they'll just pause. Hmm. All right, so yeah, I got I got a lot to say about that. <laughs> um, first of all, seeds uh, seeds don't expire. You know, there's an expiration date on the seed packet. Right, right, That's, right. That that is something that comes from uh, the USDA. Uh, what expires seeds or what kills seeds is how we treat them. So you want to? I store my seeds in glass jars in the freezer yes you heard me right glass jars in the freezer Mm. they will stay for many decades that way and what again what what we when we kill seeds it's because we leave them in the hot sun they get too damp so cool dark and dry is where you want to keep your seeds uh, in a cool dark and dry place so that's how to take care of seeds the sprouting of them You know, if you have 100 seeds and two of them sprout, that's a 2% germination rate. That's pretty low, but you had a 2% germination rate. So I'm always a fan of planting seeds, whatever you have. And some of them are going to come up and some of them aren't. One of the ways that you can test for germination is you take, say, 20 seeds and you put them on a paper towel and, you know, a nice little rose maybe uh, four rows of five, you got 20 on the, on the sheet, put a, another paper towel on top of it, spray it and roll it up. And that will tell you how many of your seeds are germinating. Uh, after two or three days, you unroll it and you look to see which one's germinated. The cool thing is you can take those seeds out in the garden and plant them. So that's half of your question. You said some of them don't germinate. Well, that's how to determine whether they germinate or not. And, um, and what you can do with the germinated seeds. The other end is growing them. And I'd have to know a whole lot more about your growing conditions um, to really decipher what is happening with the seeds that aren't continuing to grow. You know, you need to make sure that you have good healthy soil underneath them. Healthy soil is five components. It's dirt, it's airspace, it's water. It's organic matter and everything that's alive in the soil. And the way you fix broken dirt is you add lots and lots of organic matter. That's always my, um, my solution.
2: When you were talking so about they're... your carrots earlier, Greg, it made me laugh because you want to really get an idea on how hard Arizona clay is. Plant a carrot without doing anything to oh my gosh <laughs> to the ground. And you'll get a carrot that's about the size of, of the hair off uh, of, of your head. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly, and they just can't grow, so getting yeah, there's, and there's go ahead, getting that type of carrot you had took that thirty years of soil um, manicuring and your in development in in your on your urban farm.
1: yeah, well, and the good news is is it doesn't take thirty years. it's just those two garden beds in my front yard I've been gardening since I moved here thirty years ago, um, but if I had dirt in a yard. So let's just, to make it an easy project, if I had a dirt space in the yard, I would frame out some kind of bed. I would add, and it could be a raised bed or a lowered bed. I would add six to eight inches of compost uh, or planting mix right on top. And I would plant seeds. And then I would let the seeds do the work over the course of the next two or three years with their roots. Because every time you plant something, it shoots roots down and it's starting to mine the soil and do the work for you. That's the lazy gardener piece that I love to talk about is what systems can we put in place that are simple and make our job easier.
2: Taking it home with Farmer Greg, wrapping up our urban farming hour. I would definitely say that it's probably a, an industry that's got some renewed interest. And nah, maybe, oh, not, <laughs> maybe not Maybe not because of, of necessarily current events and you're worried about the food supply, but maybe you just suddenly have the time that you never had before.
1: And there, there's both of those.
2: There are. And so we're talking permaculture this hour, and uh, we've got, uh, like every every broadcast we have, we have uh, about three times the amount of bullet points as we've got time left to cover them all. <laughs> so, all right. So take it away with what's, what's the most important to focus on here.
1: <laughs> there you go. So yeah, I want to kind of wrap it in a ball for you. First of all, our class today, and I didn't plan it this way, it just happened to work out this way, our free class at 9 a.m., At Iwantogarden.com this morning is an hour-long presentation on introduction to permaculture. So if you're interested in uh, permaculture and working with nature, I have a whole hour that I'm doing starting in about 10 minutes. Oh, wow. (laughs) That worked out real. Yeah, exactly. Um, So permaculture has a lot of concepts in it. And one of my favorite concepts in permaculture is this concept of stacking functions. Now I learned about permaculture in 1991 and I learned about stacking functions back then. Fast forward, I went back to college in 1999 and I was studying urban planning at Arizona State University. And in one of my transportation planning classes, he started talking about something called trip stacking. So when you go go out to do errands, you don't go to the grocery store and come home and the drugstore and come home and the doctor and come home. What you do is you go to You leave home, you go do your three errands, then you come home. It's called trip stacking. In permaculture, we call that stacking functions. It's the same concept in our yard. We have one asset, call it a chicken. What does our chicken do for us? So in an industrial chicken, chickens are generally good for one or two things. They provide uh, eggs or meat. In my permaculture landscape, we have chickens and they do a lot more for that. What you have chickens, don't you, Romy? Oh, yes, <laughs> I do. Yeah, and what do they do for you in your yard? Uh,
2: well, uh, an awful lot.
1: Yeah, they eat bugs. They eat weeds. They dig. I- I'll tell you what: chickens are master diggers, better than dogs. Um, they're, you know, they're helping manage. Our landscape. They mow my backyard grass, which is, you know, if you know me, you know how much I dislike managing grass. And we have hens that lay eggs every day, so we get eggs every day. So we have this one asset called a chicken, and it does multiple different things for us. And so that's what we call stacking functions: is you know how do we um, how do we look at an asset and make it do multiple things for us that makes our life easier.
2: I've got one tree in our orchard that, however it happened, Bermuda grass started growing around the base. And I paneled it off with chain link panels. And all the chickens that were past their prime laying, we just put them in there with water. And we get an egg every now and then. But they've got that Bermuda grass completely cleared out of there. And it'll go back, so it's not a a Bermuda grass killing solution, but I also don't want to dump anything on there uh, because it's under my lime tree. So it's, it's my uh, prevention tool.
1: (laughs) Right. You know, I had a friend of mine about a dozen years ago uh, contact me and say, Hey, Greg, we have scorpions in our, uh, in our HOA public area. um, And we're thinking about getting chickens. And I said, that's brilliant. Do it. Chickens and so, guineas. You know, there you go. They love the bugs. So, you know, we're just in permaculture. We're just looking for for solutions like that.
2: And it's hard combination, but, you know, things, a, a lot of other animals out there enjoy chickens. And, mm-hmm. you know, a, a dog will protect them. You just have to find the right dog. <laughs> yeah. Because it well, can I mean, also have the reverse get, effect you, as well if you get the wrong dog. Right.
1: Exactly. And, you know, in, remember, I said I lived near Bethany home in 16th Street. About five years ago, four years ago, we lost some chickens to bobcats. And since then, uh, you know, I've discovered we have uh, raccoons, bobcats. I knew coyotes and foxes and hawks and um, and uh, owls. They all will take out your chickens. So if you're going to build if you're going to put chickens in your backyard, even in the city, you got to build a predator proof coop.
2: And you yeah. don't have to keep them in there. That can just be where you put them at night and let them out during the at day. Night. And they exactly. they they learn where they roost. They'll put themselves to bed, and, uh, and you just yeah. go lock the door. Yeah.
1: This is putting. This are putting uh, animals for service in our yards. You know, we have two feral cats in the backyard that help us with the rats. Because you know what, we live in the the desert. We live in Phoenix. We have pack rats in the desert, and we have roof rats uh in the city and you know it's like they're there to help.
2: <laughs> so. Yes they are. <laughs> I so, can't tell I, you how also, ridiculed I got last time I suggested using a cat for rat control, but <laughs> Really? <laughs> I, but it I, works. I, 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 I well, <laughs> you know they're
1: yeah. They're outdoor feral cats. We feed them and we take care of them. They're our pets. They're feral and you know occasionally they'll take out a rat. That's what they do.
2: <laughs> and, and we use that same practice at our house. <laughs>
1: Yay. So
2: that's permaculture.
1: I like to call it the art and science of working with nature. If you're interested in a permaculture hour-long introduction class, we've got it coming up in about six minutes at com.
2: Farmer Greg, we appreciate it. Have a uh, enjoy- uh, good turnout for that class, and, uh, and good luck with your your five-gallon uh, bucket tomato plants. A lot, you know, We'll have to get an update on those as uh, uh, we have you back next month. Next month, absolutely. I'm in. Sounds good. UrbanFarm.org or .com, right? UrbanFarm.org. .org. UrbanFarm.org, okay. yeah. And then if you want the class uh, starting here shortly, I want to garden.com. It's Rosie on the House. Our 8 o'clock hour wrapped up. We've got 9 o'clock, our on-the-house hour. We're going to be talking about permits. You want to get something done around your home, castle or cabin, project-wise? Make sure you've got legal and correct paperwork (laughs) in place. We'll tell you how to do that next with uh, Green's Home Design here at Rosie on the house.